Hey friends, welcome to Wild Confidence Podcast, where we help one another find, keep, and share our confidence in Christ. I'm your host, Ainsley B. It's an honor to bring you some inspiring conversations with amazing guests. Before we hear today's conversation, I want to kindly ask if you'd leave a five-star review and share this episode with a friend who might like it. I'd also love to connect on Instagram, so find me at Ainsley B. Okay, I can't wait anymore. Let's get to know our guest. Bethany Ricks writes and speaks about topics surrounding purpose, shame, boundaries, and healing, with the simple goal of helping women achieve their well done. Bethany Ricks, welcome to Wild Confidence. Finally, I'm so pumped to have you on. How are you today? <laughs> I am doing wonderful and happy to be here. I'm excited to have you. We kind of did some scheduling tag and we finally made it happen which I know it's going to be amazing. So before we kind of get into the nitty gritty of the questions, there's something <laughs> that <laughs> something that you have on your website that I love. And I was like, okay, I have to bring this up. It's your advice piece. On the about page, you have kind of like a list of little fun facts. And there's this one piece of advice that says your comfort zone is not free. Yes. Tell us more about that. (laughs) (laughs) It's a principle that I live by. Um, I think we live in a time where people make small compromises all the time and or big ones to either get them through a moment or to succumb to pressure. And we don't recognize that that comes at a cost. Sometimes it's the cost of your mental well-being um, sometimes it's the cost of, um, your physical well-being, I- anything, but everything has implications. And so when we make compromises, it comes at the cost of something and you have to really think about, is it worth it? And so I apply that in my professional life. I applied it and I also apply it in my personal life with any time I'm going to make a decision that kind of goes against what I would typically do, I pause and think about that. Mm. Yeah. So really that's my like advice. That. I like it. I like that piece of advice because it reminds me of um, Ryan Leak. He is a speaker, writer, one of the best speakers I've ever heard. And he, something that kind of reminded me of it after I was uh, reading your piece of advice was something that he tweeted And it was like a mentor taught me once that whenever I encounter someone I believe to be successful, always ask them the question, what does it cost to be you? Yep. Like, what? I've just never thought about that. I thought that was so good. So I was in a meeting once, this was years ago, and people were talking about celebrities. This is pre-Instagram, you know, and TikTok and all of that. And the question was around like, who would you want to be? And I was kind of off to the side. I forget what I said, but I know that the response was you, you wouldn't want to be Oprah. And I said, no. And like the room was like, why? I said, because I don't know what it costs for her to get there. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that she did anything wrong per se, but she did have to sacrifice. And I'm not sure I would have wanted to make the same sacrifices she made or anyone else on a platform to get where they are. 
Uh, and sometimes we look at we look at people and and we've all been in those situations where we look at people and we go, oh man, wow, that would be nice to have. Um, I wonder how they got that, et cetera. But you don't know the cost. Mm-hmm. You don't know the cost of it. Yeah. So here's a rogue question. Oh, rogue. I love rogue. <laughs> Very rogue. <laughs> but you were you've received like a ton of awards over your years in the corporate world and beyond. And most recently you were named one of America's most influential African-Americans in business. Yes. What did it cost? Oh, oh, good question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It cost me a lot of peace. And it cost me a lot of mental uh, horsepower and time. Mm. And it put me in the hospital. Okay, you know, I'm just going to stop there. <laughs> yeah, I what? in September of September, August of 2020, I was here in my house and I was cooking for the kids. It had been a rough day at work. And I went to put some food in my mouth and my entire I couldn't chew. And earlier that day, I'd heard a pop in the back of my head. And so my side was starting to go numb. I was like losing feeling. My brother rushed me to the hospital and they told me, uh, and I was 37 at the time, that I had, I was having a TIA, which is a precursor to a stroke. I am very healthy. That's stress. Stress is what triggered it. The pressure cooker um, of performing and showing up and decision fatigue, that was the cost. Wow. Is there anything you feel like you could have done to avoid that looking back? Or do you think that that was, I mean, that was it. There was so much riding on your shoulders. There was just a lot on my shoulders. I'm a single mother of two kids. I had a team of almost a hundred across the globe. And I was the person and the successor um, to my then boss. And so, you know, you, you get to that point in your career where you are the decision maker. There's no punting to anyone else. There's not a lot of time to process. You're usually making decisions with 40% of the information, sometimes 20% of the information. And if that decision is wrong, it's on you. Mm. And yes, I'm a woman of God. Um, God carried me through a lot of difficult times in business and personally, but that just builds up. That's just, it's just a lot of pressure and Mm -hmm. I'm pretty calm, cool and collected, but it finally, that 18 years had built up to that moment and I was in a hospital bed. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty wild. That is wild. To be 37. Some awards to (laughs) to show for it. I know. Well, what's funny is that award is totally gone because I left corporate America. Uh, I bowed out in October of 2020. And that award was announced February of this year. So I wasn't even in the game anymore. And I was sitting on my couch when I received the notification that you were on this list. And it was this moment of like, this is all God, right? Like he is, even when I'm not kind of doing the work and putting forth all that, he is still working on my behalf. 
And he is still making my name known without my participation. I literally was not participating. And God was like, yeah, we're going to Bethany Ricks. We're going to go ahead and put her on that list. That is incredible. I didn't realize the timeline there. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize how recently you left the corporate world. So that is fascinating. (laughs) And you're right. It shows, it shows that he is in places that, that we are not. Correct. Like somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, I planted some type of seed and, you know, I wasn't in the room when the list of names, I didn't even know about the award. It wasn't like I was advocating for myself. It wasn't like my company was advocating for him to be on the list. It was no longer with them. Um, and God, God said, yeah, you're still my girl. I don't, I don't need them. I don't need them and you don't need them. Wow. That is incredible. Yeah. So going over, I mean, everything that was on your shoulders for Mm -hmm. 18 years as you were in this industry. And I'm imagining leaving was a difficult decision or was it easy peasy? It was it was, in the end, it was not difficult. And the reason why, oh. um, and I've told this story before. So in 2020, we're all at home. Yeah. So I went from being on planes, trains, and automobiles flying across the world to being in my home. And what happened is it gave the perfect amount of time for God to really press in on my heart in terms of mm. what I'm really supposed to be doing. And I started getting this distaste for success. And it was kind of like, I don't really like want to do this anymore. Yeah. And I wrestled with that for months. I'm like, what am I doing? I don't want to do this anymore. Like I'm 37. I'm one of the youngest, you know, African-American executives in the country. Like, th- like I could go work anywhere. I could go leave and work anywhere and be the head of HR. And I just had this disdain for the grind, for the lack of Christ and goodness that business Mm -hmm. just doesn't have. Business does not have that Um, Mm -hmm. because there's money and power involved. And anytime there's money and power involved and there is no Jesus, I mean, that's just, that's just a crapshoot. And so by the time I had the TIA, I was, I was worn down and God told me to rest. And I made my, I made my exit and it took, took a little time, but it, it has been one of the best decisions I've ever made for my life. And I have no intentions of going back. I mean, I get phone calls, but I'm like, ah, I think I'm fine. <laughs> I, think, I think I'm fine. <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah. I think I'm going to do the speaking writing thing because that's what God has called me to do. Yeah. And did you feel that calling more recently or did you know it a while back so I've always known that I am called to lead women since Mm -hmm. of for since I was very young um and I ran from that because my father's a pastor and because I've been successful by man's standards I understand the pressure of a stage Mm -hmm. and the weight of faith And so I take it very serious, the things I say and people listening and the impact that can have on them um, in their private moments. And so I I was very resistant to that. 
over all these years. And then kind of, I had this moment, I was in Oregon on a business trip and I was just miserable. This was before, this was pre-COVID. And I finally just said, God, you know what? I'm done. And I, you know, woman of God walking in faith, but I was still trying to do things mm-hmm. by my own strength. I was still trying to be in the driver's seat. I was still trying to heal myself from my divorce. I'd been married for 10 years. I was still trying to like work through that, but doing based off of my own plan. And I just said, I'm done, like enough. And so that, you know, I've had moments like that with God where I've been able to have that kind of release that has turned into a movement within my life. And so that allowed me to step into what he wanted me to do. There was a lot of like God, cause he knows me and I'm very stubborn. There was a lot of massaging of my heart along the way. Yeah. The softening to be able to yes. finally let go. And preparing me and preparing me for what he actually wanted me to do. Yeah. Which is the writing, speaking, coaching, leading women in this yes. online space mm-hmm. that you do an, an incredible job at. I love following everything oh, you. that you say and write and everything. So, and I just think you're awesome in general. Oh, thank you so much. I feel the same about you. <laughs> Thanks, girl. So I'm thinking of like, okay, it didn't seem like a, a difficult season. Like you felt called by the Lord. You stepped out of faith and it's been incredible. Mm-hmm. So can you share a time with us where you weren't confident and how you may have found that again or what that season kind of looked like? Every day. <laughs> Touche. Right? Like it's anything unknown. Um, I enjoy speaking and writing, but I do have a couple of moments throughout the week where I pause and I lose I lose confidence, which is essentially your your belief in yourself, right? Mm-hmm. It's the belief that you are going to deliver. Even thinking about this podcast this morning, I'm like okay, I need to like think about what I'm going to say. Is it going to translate? Um, And I have no problem with saying that I have those moments throughout the day. I'm a mother. I'm a human being (laughs) who doesn't, who doesn't get it right 80% of the time. Right. Yeah. But because I'm so deeply rooted, not only in faith, but I have an intimate relationship with God. Mm -hmm. That is always my saving grace and always brings me back to center because when I don't believe in myself, I do know that God very much so believes in me and what I'm doing and what I'm trying to do. And he's not expecting perfection. He just wants obedience. That's it. And I can do obedience. I haven't always been able to do it, but I can do obedience. Wait, what's the, what's the secret there? Of, well, I pride. So Mm. (laughs) that was my, I had this epiphany. This would have been last year. I was driving. And I was listening to worship music in that still small voice, <laughs> right? Yes. You, uh, you have a pride issue. And I'm like, what do you mean I have a pride issue? Like, I don't think I'm better than anybody. What are you talking about, God? And what had happened, which I actually wrote about this last week on my Instagram page, God had instructed me to do something and I didn't do it. 
and pride is an inordinate view of self. I thought someone else was better. Mm. And it was the audacity of me to say my way was better than God. That is pride. And sometimes we mask our humility. We say, oh, this is me being humble. I'm humble. You know, I'm staying low. And really, it's pride. Mm. Right? We mask our pride with humility. And yeah. that was a gut check for me because I'm like, wow. And I haven't walked in perfection in that, but I do recognize when, oh, I'm not moving swift enough. Like I'm assuming that I have time to lollygag. I'm assuming that I have time to him and haw. Yeah. So I can do obedience all day now. I'm like, ah, (laughs) okay. One thing I can do. (laughs) One of the few things I can do is obey. I was thinking, and I don't remember what this conversation was or how it came up or literally anything, but I don't even know how long ago it was, but at some point in the last few months, who knows, I was talking to someone about like not getting too comfortable in your favor or like in your gifts, because that's whenever we can get complacent or become prideful because we're used to this favor that he's put on us. Yes. And it that brought me kind of back to that piece of advice because that comfort zone isn't where favor flourishes. No. It's in the the obedience, but oftentimes obedience is tricky because you're just like, Are you sure, God? Like, <laughs> you know who you're talking to? Like somebody else might be able to do this a little bit better than me. But it's, that's everything that you're kind of saying reminded me of that. Cause I was like, yeah, we yeah. can't get too comfortable in that because we can just fall at any moment. Exactly. And complacency creates an environment that is ripe for um, discontentment, lack of engagement, um, mm-hmm. worry, distress, uh, ego, all of those things. And we, we have to constantly get into a place where constantly be in a place where we never think we've arrived and we mm-hmm. live in a world where everyone's trying to get to a point where they've arrived. However you want to define that generally it's defined with some sort of celebrity or platform, but that's what people, you know, the Royal people are moving towards. And we, we have to work very hard to resist that. Um, yeah. Because I mean that that space is just again ripe with discontentment and worry and distress and I'm not good enough I'm not worthy enough um, yeah and it's just not good yeah it's the striving to make it like yeah we're always waiting to say I've made it yeah but I wonder how many people like actually get there and what does like, make it look like right 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 what does it look like for each person and when do they feel like they've actually made it and whenever they get to something close does their bar go even farther does it become less attainable every time you know yeah especially if your made it is defined on material things and somebody Mm -hmm. could be listening to me like oh my god people say that all the time (laughs) Let, let me figure it out for myself like Okay, that's fine. But uh, material things will only sustain you for so long, which is why 
fashion and cars and all those things are so cyclical. They change all the time because people are no longer satisfied. So it's like, oh, I want something different. I want something shinier. I want something more. Um, And it's just an unending, never ending cycle. Yeah, the latest and greatest, always the chase for the latest and greatest. Hey, if you're enjoying Wild Confidence so far, I can't thank you enough for hanging out with us. And we have some bonus content for you. We have a Patreon that you can join if you head to patreon.com forward slash wildconfidence. We have podcast bonuses. You get the episodes early, uh, free downloads, and some Enneagram extras that are just so much fun. And we have such a fun community over there. So I would love for you to join us there and support the podcast so we can stay wild at patreon.com forward slash wildconfidence. So whenever you're kind of working through not feeling confident every day, are there things that you cling to or are there things that you kind of can hold on to as tools that might help you stay confident? Yeah. So it depends on, you know, what the, what the situation is. Um, Faith is really big for me, but also community. So I have Mm -hmm. a really strong network of really close friends and then people who are friends because I think there's a difference and just women who have a passion for me to be happy Mm -hmm. not successful because that changes but they really are invested in my spiritual mental well-being Mm. period full stop And so because I have people like that in my life, when I have those moments, let's say I'm having a mother moment where I'm just like, ah, like this morning, I had to make some, I have to make some decisions about my kids. And I immediately went to like my friends to like, I don't know if this is the right decision or not. They know my heart and they are able to remind me of who I am and that I am the right mother for this particular job, right? I'm the right mother for Zion in London. So community is really, really big for me, which is why I talk about friendship so much, because I don't think Mm. people recognize the power of friendship and community and what a great influence it can be if it's used correctly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. And I think it's also important to note when it comes to friendship, I think about this pretty often as a, my mom was a single mom and I know I I was raised by her and her friends and (laughs) in our family, but like I have, and this is certainly a Louisiana thing. I'm sure it's elsewhere too, but her two best friends, I call them aunt, like Uh aunt, whatever, aunt Shannon, because they, that's that they became family. Yes. It, It their community was crucial to not only my mom's survival, but mine. Yes. And the, the ripple effect that that has, has impacted me so much that while my marriage, certainly Justin and I are friends, of course, but he's not my best friend. Mm-hmm. I think that's okay. Because he doesn't want to talk about girl stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and I'm not going to talk to him about that. Yeah. Like, well, it almost blows me away when I see women like tell their husbands all the latest drama and stuff. I'm like, do you think he cares? I'm just curious. Do you really (laughs) think he cares? 
<laughs> no. like in one ear and out the other and he's just like yeah I mean yes. I've met some men who care about that stuff but they are yes. very few 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 and far between and like that's few. good for them if they do I mean if they have truly you know established that kind of thing then great but I can say for most of my friends and no. yeah. our husbands mm-hmm. we need it we need we need girls we need a community of yes. girls that can really talk about the whatever crazy stuff we want to talk about. Now, that's not to say that we shouldn't be bringing up topics that make men uncomfortable because they do need to be aware of women's issues and things like that. Yeah. So that's not what I'm saying. But just on the topic of friendship, I think I agree with you so much on how important it is for your community to really be able to rally around you. Yes. In times, and, and as you're saying, motherhood, I'm like, yeah, women can yes. speak to that. Yes. Women are who you need in your corner to speak to motherhood. Yes. So I love that. Motherhood, that. unhealed trauma. Um, even yeah. when, so when I was right after my divorce happened and um, I'm a pretty strong personality, very confident. I'm not say I'm this next part. I'm not saying it, you know, is if it's a badge of honor, I'm not a big crier. That's just, you know, not my vibe. I'm in my laundry room and I'm having this moment and I just start crying and I pick up the phone and I call my best friend Mm. and I start talking to her and she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm sitting in the laundry basket on top of warm laundry. (laughs) (laughs) And she totally got it. You know, yeah. I was like, I just, I'm sitting in the laundry basket on top of warm towels and I don't mm-hmm. want to get out. She was like, do you want me to come over with you with some ice cream? Do you want me to sit in the basket yeah. with you? Like, those are the people you need. Like I will, we might not fit, but I will sit on top of the warm towels with you if that's what's required in this moment. And so when I think about friendship and you always hear people say, I'll meet you where you are. Will you? Will Will you you? meet me in the laundry room with a pint of ice cream while I cry my eyes out? Will you? Because if you'll do that, you're my people. Can I come sit in the basket with you? (laughs) It's the question. That is the request. If people want to know, like, what's the bar? That's the bar. That if I call you crying, you will say, I will sit in the laundry basket with you with mint chocolate chip ice cream that has fudge on the bottom. Yes, whoa, yes. You, you A, took it up a notch with the fudge. That was the best addition. Uh-huh. And B, I wrote down, can I sit in the basket with you? Because I think that is truly a profound question. Yeah, Can't, will you come sit in the basket with me? Because here's the thing, because you know I just have to take it deep. Here's the thing about the basket. It's yeah. small. You're going to be in my space. I'm going to be in your space. I trust you enough that you can see my ugly cry because I have an ugly cry. It is not gentle. Like my whole, it's just, it's a thing. And like, we're going to be in each other's space. And like, my nose is going to be snotted. And Mm -hmm. I have to be that comfortable with you to say, will you get in here with me? And you say, I'm going to get in here with you. And my my legs might not be shaved. Like you might feel like the prickly, like, but are you okay with that? And then the next day, are you going to love me still? Yep. Even after the basket. Even after the basket. Yeah. 
That's so good. I mean, truly. And how many times have people said that they would be there, they would come, and they haven't? And they did not. You know? Yeah. And they didn't. And they didn't. But that's you have to know who to call. So exactly. I'm not, I'm not calling every friend. And it I, doesn't course. mean that they love me any less, but I have done the work to understand what they are capable of doing mm-hmm. and what they have yeah. the capacity of doing. And it doesn't make them a horrible friend, but it's my responsibility to know, you know what? I really can't call Susie Q right now and ask her to come be in the basket with me. Yeah. Because she can, she may be capable of a coffee date later. Yeah. But not the basket. Yeah. This really puts like basket case in a very literal um, <laughs> sense. <laughs> like, actually, is that how this came about? Yeah, I don't, but it's, I mean, here we are. Here we yeah. are. Yeah. I mean, we're, in, we're in we're the in basket. So. We're in it. So mm-hmm. here we are. No, it absolutely will bless somebody because I always talk about doing a friend inventory of. Yes. Like every year of, you know, who do you need to pour into more? Who do you need to not as much? Who do you need to remember their birthday next year better? You know, yeah. just those kinds of things. Who do you need to draw a boundary with? And this. Who do you need to eliminate? Yeah, exactly. And there's like, I, I always have like circles, right? The circles of influence or whatever, the inner. And as that. you go out, the less information you get from me. But what's interesting is, as a, you're an Enneagram 8, right? Is that right? I am. I'm an Enneagram yeah. 8 with balanced wings. Nice. Okay. And, I'm, I'm, and being in the basket doesn't come naturally to you. Right. It does not. That's hard to be mm-hmm. vulnerable. So that's just interesting to me because it kind of shows how carefully that you would pick who would be in the basket. Yeah. And how much that person has, how much influence that person has in your life. And I think that we, as just the world, could be slightly more selective. Oh, we, because here's the thing here's the thing with friendship and any kind of relationship, really, where someone has proximity doesn't equate to friendship, but people who have, we, sh- people who have influence, we should pay attention to who we are allowing to make deposits Mm -hmm. into our life, period, full stop. Yeah. What people say to us and what we choose to retain is a really big deal. And I don't Mm -hmm. think that we pay enough attention to that. And if you have people in your life who are not encouraging you, and I'm not saying every time they see you, they have to be like, oh my God, Ainsley, you're so amazing. I mean, you are. (laughs) But really in your corner, really invested in you, really pouring into you, not not yeah. allowing you to stay in low places for too long, holding you accountable to what you said you were going to do. Um, those people matter the most, yeah. in my opinion. And, and we should cling to people like that. Uh, yeah. And everyone else, honestly, I mean, I just don't have time for. <laughs> and I'm not... I'm not going to apologize for it because I take, I take, I take it so serious. Yeah. Who I allow to influence 
me because you're influencing me you're influencing my children you're also influencing how I write because mm-hmm. I'm a writer mm-hmm. so I pull from my real everyday life, life. Yeah, yeah so like to me that's a really a really big deal yeah I tell people all the time if you have a conversation with me it's subject to be in a book <laughs> just know just know that could be a caption tomorrow just know that if we're talking that's I'm hilarious. writing that is hilarious because that is what makes me think I mean that's the kind of stuff that just it's in that life inspires art I guess and so I just I love what you're saying and (laughs) the confidence in what you're saying can only be done as an eight which is why I'm obsessed with female eights because I try and soak it up as much as I can as a two sometimes (laughs) I'll let um total strangers have too much opinion in my life mm-hmm. so then I'm like no go no focus on the, the eight like what would an yeah. eight do they'd you be like no bump that yeah I would say you have no rights yeah. tell right. me how you have invested in me mentally and spiritually and yeah. then I will give you I will give you time it's that relational equity if you don't have yes. relational equity you're done I mean, the other piece of it is, I think I have such a strong opinion on this now because I have been hurt immensely in friendship and relationship. Mm-hmm. It like, just to the point where it's like, okay, I re- like people are out here in these streets. <laughs> they are out here in these streets. Has some like, nerve. Will- yeah, like willing to just, disregard throw you by the wayside not think twice about it talk about you like a dog and over the years I really had to like focus on setting boundaries and me saying what I was willing to accept in my life and not allowing other people to tell me what I'm supposed to accept right yeah that's so good I love that and I love how important community is because I just couldn't agree more and friendship and all of that like my gosh there's no way that someone listening has never been hurt by someone and they need to hear all of this stuff and so I'm thinking about like your younger self and I'm like what was a what was she like (laughs) like I want to know what young Bethany was like (laughs) and b what would you tell her? And when it comes to confidence or friendship, even if that's kind of the forefront of your mind, like what would you tell her? What advice would you give her? Boundaries are your friend. Um, What people think about you doesn't really matter because they will always sell you short. Ooh, ooh. always people and here's the reason why here's the reason why people sell you short when they tell you who you are because they don't have a god perspective so they haven't seen your yesterday they don't understand your today and they don't know where you're going so they will always sell you short and box you in and so what people have to say about you matters but then ultimately it really doesn't because they don't have a full perspective that's good and I would also tell my younger self that the very things that you try to hide, because 
it doesn't go with the status quo or the things that are going to make you great and successful and wise. And you will need all of that to prepare you for the fights in your 30s. Because I needed all of that to get through my valley. I needed it all. And those were the parts of myself that I that I hid when I was kind of in my early 20s. I'm 38 now. Um, you know, I just kind of tucked tuck that stuff away, but I needed that fire. I needed that fire and God put it in me. Thank God. Yeah, I mean, when you think about your 20s in general, look, that was a war zone. Like the 20s are insane. You're mm-hmm. literally trying to figure out who you are, what you believe, what you stand for, what is happening around the, with such malleable people and places and things and decisions. And oh my gosh, it's but it but it's the lessons that you learn in that war zone that help you with the fight later. Yeah. Like you just said. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know what mm-hmm. I would do without those lessons, even if they were the ones that felt like they killed me. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what I would do without them. Yeah. I don't, I don't know either. I really don't. I'd be a mess. I'd be more of a mess than what I am right now. I'm I'm still a mess. Still a mess. I kind of want to circle back to boundaries for a second, because I think that, um, I talk about boundaries all the time. I love boundaries. Boundaries are my friend. And but I don't know that everyone knows what that practically looks like. So whenever you're thinking about friendship and mm-hmm. let's say basket friends, coffee shop friends, that yeah. kind of thing, those are boundaries, right? You're, you're putting a little bit of, um, I don't know. I don't know the word. Guardrails definition behind it. Yeah. So can you kind of expand on that a little bit, like some boundaries within those friendships and kind of what that looks like for you, just so someone listening can be like, oh, that's how I can identify them? Well, there's a phrase that I use uh, that I came up with to actually help me think about boundaries. And I say this far, no further. So that's when I, when I think about certain relationships, I kind of say, this is how I, far I'm, I want them to come and they will come no further, which means sometimes that has to be communicated and sometimes it doesn't have to be communicated. But once they get close to that line, I have the obligation to tell them this far, no further. Now you don't necessarily have to say it that way. You can say, right. I'm not really comfortable talking about this particular subject. Mm-hmm. I would prefer not to kind of go down this road. Those are the things that you can say, but you have internally already said these particular people or this particular person cannot go any further than this. Yeah. So boundaries are really about setting the expectation of how you want people to show up in your life and how you want to show up in the world. Mm -hmm. So if you use that phrasing and then you apply it, you, you really kind of start to process like, okay, well, there are people who I'm kind of like, yeah, you're all in, like there is no line. And then there are yeah. people who it's like, you know, I don't really want to talk to them about the trauma in my childhood or in my twenties, but everything else is full game. And then there's some people that I go, 
yeah, we're only talking about kids in sports. Mm, yeah. But it's something I do in my mind. They have no idea. They have sure. no idea that, you know what? I'll talk to you about kids. I'll talk to you about sports. I'm not talking to you about my personal life. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of how I very quickly process that. And I trust my gut. I do not force, I don't force people to like me and I don't force myself to like other people. Doesn't mean I don't care about them. It doesn't mean I won't pray for them. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I'm not rooting them on. Yeah. But this whole, like, you have to like everyone. Ah, not really my vibe. <laughs> oh, I love that so much <laughs> because that is just my nature. Don't care who you are. I like you until I don't until you, until you don't until you hurt me. And then I'm like, that my boundary goes up quick, but, but I really like the, this far, no further, because yep. you can almost feel it when you're with someone, you can, you can really feel like, uh-huh. yeah, I, I, even some of the people that are incredibly close to me don't have as much information about me that I have about them. And that's okay. Yeah, it is okay. It is okay. Or, or I'm sure vice versa. I'm sure someone has way more information about me than I have about them. And that's okay yes. too. But we are the gatekeepers. We are the gatekeepers mm-hmm. to our mind, our hearts, our souls. No one else. And when I say that to people, sometimes they go like, well, what does that mean? You are in charge of what people have access to. Yeah. And yeah. you get to guard your story with as much fierceness as you want to. But if you feel called to be open and more vulnerable, I'm not judging that either. But you mm-hmm. are the gatekeeper. Do not empower other people to be the gatekeeper of your life because that's where sometimes we get hurt or we become really disappointed, right? Like I gave you all my stuff and you just put it on a shelf. Yes, we can certainly put people on pedestals that they don't belong on. Yeah. All, the, all these lessons are swimming through my brain. I'm like, okay, either pick one or move along. <laughs> <laughs> like, Look, we live in a world where people, I mean, you're on the internet, I'm on the internet. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, especially because of the type of pages we, we run, which are really more about wholeness and people showing up authentically and transparently, yeah. people want to put you on a pedestal and they want you to be the God that they want, God, little G. Right. And no, like, that's not, that's not who we are. That's not the role we're trying to play. And that in and of itself is setting a boundary. It's setting a spiritual boundary. I'm not going to be anyone's God. And mm-hmm. someone may listen and be like, that's so egotistical. It's not though. We live in a world that creates, that puts people on a pedestal and calls them worthy and they're self-appointed and not anointed. And yeah. that's a problem. Mm-hmm. I always have this battle of telling people, take my advice, and but also don't take my advice. Yeah. <laughs> like, hear my experience, but don't just run with this blindly. You need to take it to the Lord and see if this yeah. applies to you. Because I, I'm, I can only do so much, right? I can only yeah. tell you the lesson out of my heartache, but the Lord can restore your heartache. Yeah. I can never do that for you. <laughs> Look, so I, I know enough. Back and forth. I know enough to know that I don't know that much. <laughs> exactly. So, and, and 
In fact, the more I show up online, the less I want to show up online because I'm like, oh my Lord, the older I got, the less confident I became in the truth is the same, but it's also like, wait, 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 wait. There's so many different things we have to think about, but anyway, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother avenue (laughs) that we could go down. (laughs) But I, I've loved the conversation on boundaries and friendship. Absolutely. I think we can just never talk about it enough because it's forever. Yeah. We're always going to have, hopefully we'll always have friendships that we have to assess and figure out and draw boundaries with and yep. keep people off pedestals in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this, so in this season of your life, like as you have just kind of given us so many things to talk about <laughs> and I will forever remember sitting in a basket of laundry. Uh, <laughs> it's it's so good though. It's so good. Um, how can we, the best way we know how to pour back into you is how can we pray for you as a community? How can we pray for you? I'm always, you know, clarity um, because of how, what I, the things I write about. And I always want to come from a very authentic and transparent place. Yeah. And so clarity and, you know, heeding, heeding the, the voice of the Lord um, mm-hmm. and ma- maintaining humility. I would say that those are probably the really, the three things that I think about often, especially because I write for, you know, I write, I write for the woman who pulls into her driveway and it's raining and she's white knuckled and her breath is in her chest. And she's like, I just need five minutes. I just need five minutes. Like I'm tired. I don't know what to do with all the stuff, but I'm pretending like I know what to do with all the stuff. Like those are the women that I write for people who are walking through shame, people who are trying to slow down in their Valley and pick up the lessons along the way. Mm. And so I always want to approach when I write and speak and preach the word, I want to approach things with humility, clarity, authenticity, and transparency. Yes. I love the phrase that you just said, slow down in the valley and pick up the lessons along the way. I'm sorry. You just said that very casually, but that is incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Like, whoa. I mean, that's what we all try to sprint through our valleys and everyone, everyone does that. Um, and it is hard to slow down and be still and recognize what's a lesson, w- recognize what should be carried, recognize what should be disregarded. Because after the valley, you have to climb the mountain. Mm-hmm. And then once you get to the mountaintop, you take it in and then you must descend. And then you're going to be in a different valley. And then you're going to climb a different mountain. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. I'm thinking of a, like literally one person who's going to hear this and I have a feeling that they are exactly in the place that you just mentioned. Yeah. Soaked up all of this and we want more. Where can we hang out with you online? Uh, you can hang out with me on Instagram at Bethany Ricks. That's my handle or over at Jesus led Bible fed, which is a ministry page where I do a lot of IG TVs and talk about topics with uh, other women. I have other women on and we just kind of chalk it up for 45 minutes, or you can find me on my website, bethanyricks.com. And it's B-E-T-H-N-Y. Correct. 
important yeah. to note. <laughs> yeah, no A. It was a sick joke my parents played. <laughs> oh, Lord. That's sick joke. <laughs> oh, it is. I love it. Thank you so much for hanging out. I cannot wait for everyone to hear this. And you are just the best. I so appreciate you. I appreciate you having me on. It really is an honor, really. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out today. I pray that you're able to see yourself how the Lord sees you so you can hold your head a little higher and shine your confidence a little brighter. I would so appreciate if you would leave a review, subscribe, and share this with a friend. And of course, I want to stay connected with you. Find me on Instagram at Ainsley B. And my website is AinsleyBritton.com. See y'all later.